I just want to remind you, uh, as you turn into the book of Luke, um, Tuesdays, I know it was already announced, but whatever you can throughout the day on Tuesday, if you can even fast a meal, fast a meal. Let's pray and let's believe for God to completely eradicate this mess from our community and from our area. And let's just pray over our country. That's, it's simple. There's no real organization beyond that. I know there's several churches in our area that are doing that. But um, we believe in God. And we believe, therefore, when we pray, he hears. And he's going to answer us. And so uh, let's pray and let's believe. Most of you know we've been talking through the, uh, the seven words of Christmas. Even the seven prophetic words of Christmas. And we, we started with, with uh, Zechariah when he prophesied the horn of salvation is coming through Jesus. Uh, the angel Gabriel declared the favor of God that was on Mary. Um, Elizabeth, this was the interesting one. Elizabeth, before they even had any conversation, oh, how you feeling? Oh, I'm de- how you feeling? Oh, what's going on? No, Elizabeth just all of a sudden, just she just jumps into prophesying over Mary when they come into contact with one another. And she declared prophetically a blessing over Mary over and over and over and over again. And then uh, we also talked about the guidance that Joseph received. The, uh, though the word is not used in the, Christian, uh, in the Christmas narrative, um, there's four times. Did you see that last week? Four times specifically that God directed Joseph in, in what he should do. In fact, we'll talk a little more about that today. So uh, that's four. Today I want to hit number five and six, and then we, we'll be done. And then Christmas Eve I'm going to hit number seven. So you, I hope you're all going to be here with us as we lift our candles high at the Christmas Eve service. It's going to be great. And believe it or not, next week we do have church. Okay, so come, come, be a part. We have service next Sunday. I know you're going to have Christmas and this person's on, that person's on, but whatever you can do to make priority next Sunday morning, come and worship with us um, as uh, I'll be uh, speaking. We also, of all things, we have a missionary on, on that Sunday as well. It's just going to be a great Sunday, but here's the deal. I want to talk to you today about number five and number six. The, the fifth word, if you want to grab the notes in the back of the seat, you can make circles, draw, doodle, whatever there. Um, but the, the fifth word I want to talk to you about is this word, redemption. Everyone say it with me, redemption. redemption. There we go. In Luke chapter two, verse 36 it says, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. How rude of him to say something. No, I'm just joking. We'll get to that. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Okay, so when we study scripture, we ask ourselves these questions, right? <clears throat> who, what, when, where, why? Who, who? Who are we talking about? Well, there's this gal, Anna. What's so great about Anna? I know you all woke up this morning thinking, what is so great about Anna? You know, a couple interesting things, and then let's move on. But one thing is, uh, specifically, her, her, it says her father's name was Phanuel. Phanuel. This is actually a form of the Hebrew place, Peniel or Peniel. Um, what's, what's, what's the significance of that? It, well, it means face to face. And you might remember that's what Jacob in the Old Testament, when he wrestled with God, when Jace, uh, Jacob saw God face to face, that's what he named that place, Peniel. And so it's interesting that 
Nathaniel, that same word is connected to Anna because she was just about ready to see what? The king of kings, the Lord of lords, face to face. Another thing that's interesting is um, uh, that she's from the tribe of Asher. Now, um, I, I know it's not that big of a deal, but when, when it came to temple worship and temp, temple ministry, most uh, the people who were uh, supposed to be doing that were from the tribe of Levi. And she wasn't from that tribe. She wasn't from those people. But because she had showed such a clear anointing as a prophetess, they allowed her to continue to do ministry there. The third thing that I throw out to you is the fact that it mentions her age. Why is that so important? I, I don't know if I can tell you why it's so important. Um, uh, uh, most of us, uh, a song with someone who, it's her birthday today, Julie Roth, and um, and I, 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 we were just talking about what's, I mean, you, you reach a certain age, not saying she's reached that age or anything, but <laughs> you reach a certain age, it's like, yeah, you know what, what would you like to do for your birthday today? I think I'd just like to take a nap. I mean, you know, I, I think I'd just, yeah, it's just not that big of a deal anymore. This lady, though, hello, uh, she got married, and let's just say, let's just toss it out there. Let's say she got married, some we know got married somewhere on the age of 14. Let's just say that would be the youngest she would get married. So she got married at 14, and then she was married for seven years before what? Her husband died, and she became a widow, so that's 21. And then, and then different versions of the Bible interpret the, 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 uh, the original language differently here. Some say she, she was 84 years old. Uh, others would point, in fact, even in your NIV or ESV, if you, you have the NIV, it, it, there's a little thing that says for 84 years. She's a widow for 84 years. So if you take 21 and add 84, whoo, this lady was old. She was over 100 years old. So you see how impactful that God would orchestrate this in such a way that this lady faithfully served day after day, year after year in, in the temple worship and in this thing. And finally, she knew that something was coming. She had a hope that something was getting ready to happen. In fact, it, um, she knew of the prophecy even in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 20. Check this out. She knew the Redeemer will come to Zion. Zion is, a, is a, a, another way of, of, of mentioning uh, Jerusalem and the temple area, uh, the temple mountain Jerusalem. And so will come to the temple, will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. It was prophetically spoken that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, the Lamb of God would come. So we see that all about Anna, but let's move into the, the word that I really want to talk about as we look at this. Is, that's the word redemption. What does it mean, redemption? Well, you may have heard, uh, um, maybe not in everyday language, um, but uh, as you look at a property, what, what do you deem that property's worth? What do you deem the worth of that item? In order for there to be redeemed, there's got to be something deemed. So to redeem is to revalue something particularly by repurchasing it. So if you buy something, you lose it, and then buy it back, what have you done? You've redeemed it. And redemption, we know, is a theme all throughout the Bible, right? I mean, all throughout Scripture, you see story after story after story of redemption. Let's see, where could we start? Hmm, where could, I don't know, how about the very beginning? Uh, this little lady named Eve and a little guy named Adam. Adam and Eve, what happened? Everything was cool until they did what? Well, they sinned and brought sin into the world. 
and what there was consequences to that sin, right? They got kicked out of the garden. And uh, imagine, you're walking with the Lord. I mean, how amazing was that? But they sinned, and so now they needed what? <clears throat> to be redeemed. And so God started that process, well, made us aware then of that process of how you can be right with God. You think about um, uh, Abraham and Isaac. You remember the story of Abraham, the story, the piece of history of Abraham and Isaac? And, and Isaac was there ready to be sacrificed, and God, what? He provided a ram in the thicket, and he was redeemed. You think about this gal named Ruth. She, you read the, the, that, that, uh, um, about her kinsman redeemer. It's all throughout scripture. Um, the Bible, Bible overflows with stories of redemption. And that's how we know that he is a God of redemption. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the greatest stories, though, could possibly be the picture of Hosea. Hosea in the Old Testament. You don't have to turn there, but let me just tell you. In the first chapter, God did something crazy. He looked at, he talked to Hosea, Hosea and said, Hosea, what I want you to do is that prostitute, I want you to go take that prostitute, marry her. And her name was Gomer. I know it messes us up. If you're a fan of Andy Griffiths, it's troubling. But Gomer, Gomer married Hosea. And they had three children. And then you know what happened? The Bible says, Gomer, she gone. She left him. And she went right back into the sexual sin. In fact, it looks like even sexual slavery. Because, do you know by chapter 3, you know what God says? You know that woman that was your wife that took off, that left you? Not because of anything you did, but left you? Go. Pay. It's in Hosea chapter 3. Pay. Pay money to have her redeemed, to pay, pay money to have her taken out of that lifestyle and take her back to be your wife. What an amazing story of what redemption really is. And so um, we know that as, as you study scripture, this is, this is the idea that God says, I brought you out of Egypt. Do you remember that? Prince of Egypt, you seen the movie? God, God, brought, God brought the people out of, out of Egypt, his people out of Egypt. He redeemed them out of slavery, out of that. And then what did they do? They turned to other gods. They, they were uh, idolatrous. And here what Hosea is, is really, God's using Hosea to just point to is there's another redeemer coming who's gonna redeem all of us from our sin. And of course, we know his name is Jesus. How awesome is that for us today? He is our redeemer. And because he is our redeemer, well, that really leads to word number six. And you might just circle that in your notes or point an arrow at it. Because he's redeemed us, because he's forgiven us, if we receive it, we go to word number six. Word number six is this, joy. Joy. Everybody say joy. Good job. Luke chapter two, verse eight. Let's read this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is joy that's not based on our circumstance. You know, this is Christmas season, Thanksgiving season. 
And, um, and I encourage you like I do every year, when, when someone says, oh, happy holidays, you say Merry Christmas. Just toss it right back there. Just, oh no, it's not just a good holiday, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas! But sometimes when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas, what happens? Some of us get a little depressed. Sometimes it brings depression. Sometimes it brings frustration. Sometimes it brings hurt. It brings frustration. Maybe it's, maybe it's hurt because for the first time this Christmas, for some of us, there's not going to be someone there at the table. And that's painful. For some of us, um, maybe it's, uh, it's just there's tension in your family. I don't have to tell you about it. You know what it's like. <clears throat> that tension that's there. Maybe for some of you, it's just that one weird uncle. It just, ah, but for whatever reason there's tension as as we think about all of us right now for a full nine months on right now have been just in a a a time of just upheaval uh, a time of frustration a time of what in the world's going on at times in seasons all of us if we were honest we'd say questioning god where are you in this why are you allowing this to happen And then at times, seeing his hand step in and clearly reveal himself to us at different times throughout the past nine months. You know what I believe? I I just believe we've been been in in a time of travail and a time for nine months. And I believe it's time for the Holy Spirit to, to come and do something new now. And God, the Holy Spirit wants to birth something fresh. Even as we get into the new year, that this nine months that we've been just up that God is going to just do something supernatural as we move into this new year and as we get through these nine months. Believe with me. Let's believe God's going to do something. Not just in your life, not just that the tension will be off or whatever, but that God would do something in the area of redemption. That this could be the church's greatest hour, that we could see more people come to Jesus in the next few months than we ever have in the history of our church. Let's pray that. Let's believe that. That's why we're starting off the year with prayer, because we want to see God do something supernatural in 2021 and we're just we're ready just to, I, I saw it on on social media I think it was this morning um, they blamed it on the Irish I think it but it's like uh, as the new year happens some people open their front door at midnight and they let the the old year go out and the new year come in it's just like symbolically and the idea is this how about this year let's open all the windows all the doors and just be gone <laughs> Let it out and let's let the new year in and let's let joy in. Here's what I want to get at. Have you found in the past nine months a struggle to keep your joy? I think we all have. I have a disposition in, in, uh, that I've been given since birth. I'm not bragging because I have great weaknesses too. But I have a, a joyful disposition overall. Overall, I don't find myself getting depressed or down. But even, even I think... Even over the past nine months, just ask my kids. There'd be times where they'd be like, why is dad grumpy? Why, what's, what's going on? We can't allow the enemy to steal our joy, and, and, and it's beyond that. We don't have to. Let me just tell you that. We don't have to. There, even as we grieve, even as we mourn, can I just remind you that we don't mourn as others do. We mourn be, in a different way because we have great hope. Amen? As, as we, as we, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We have great hope. 
There, there are things, even as I've talked over with my wife, there's things we're, uh, we're grieving over our nation even. Uh, things that we see happening as, as I um, see uh, the, uh, the, the appointment of people in cabinet positions now that I'm just like, wow, this is going to be a, whoo, this is going to be interesting. Uh, and that's saying the least. And I, I'm just, there's, there's a, a, a grief of, God, where is our country headed right now? Where are we going right now? And there's a grief that can rise up. But can I tell you, in your grief, can I encourage you, don't lose hope. Not in the system, but in the God of creation, in the God who saved you, in the God who redeemed you. Don't lose your joy. Don't let the enemy suck the joy right out of you. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let me just get down to uh, something specific here. Great joy. The Greek word here used is kara. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. C-H-A-R-A. Why is that important? Well, the idea here isn't just, hey, um, you want some joy? Go ahead, watch a good movie. (laughs) Here you go, have some joy. No, it's the one who's come who brings great joy. Do you see the difference? It's like I could give you a piece of candy. I don't have a piece of candy, but if I, I have a mint. I could give you a mint right here. And I thought that's what Ty was going for up here. I thought he was going for my mints. Instead, it was the microphone. But I could give you this mint. Or I could, I could, you know what else I could do? I could give you a system, a way that you could just have unlimited mints. <laughs> you could have so many mints that people would just want to be by you all the time because you smell so pepperminty. I mean, you just are so, I just love being around them. I just... Oh, it smells like my grandmother's garden or something. I, I just, I, uh, didn't your grandmother grow mint in her garden? Come on, mine did. Grandma Miller did. Hey, listen, that's what the joy we're talking about here. This is the joy that, um, that Jesus talked about in, the, uh, when, in Luke chapter 15. The joy that comes when one sinner repents. The joy that's in heaven. It wasn't just, oh, high five, fist bump, chest bump. Woo, this is great. Someone got saved. no. It's a joy that is, is, is calm that can just pour out. It's, it's a, there's an abiding joy that no matter what happens, there's a joy. It's a, it's a joy of a, of a newborn and uh, a new mother. In John 16, 21, it speaks to that. It's a joy of, um, that Jesus used when he's speaking to the disciples about the future. Look at this in John 15, 11. Look at this. I've told you this so that, you, you, that, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is an abiding joy. Some of you are really struggling right now. All of us are struggling to some level to stay full of joy in this season. And I I just want to tell you, God has come not just to make you happy, not just to make you laugh, but to give you an undergirding, abiding joy even in the midst of your trial. How can I do that? Let's learn real quick and then we'll be done. How can I maintain joy in this season? Let me share four quick things with you, and then we'll be done. Here it is. You might want to take notes and scribble some things as I, as I talk here in your notes. God's ways are not always our ways. We've got to remember this. God's ways are not always our ways. Do you remember this little issue about Joseph and Mary not being married yet, but Mary was, well, let's read. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. So that, that had happened, but after he had considered this, 
Joseph's like, man, what am I going to do now? Whew. Having even thought, maybe I'm just going to leave. Maybe I'm just going to, in that sense, going to divorce her and just be done with all this. After he considers an angel, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We can sit around trying to figure everything out for the Lord or we can trust him and trust his ways and trust that as we follow him in obedience, he's gonna work things for our good, right? You and I can't always see the, the, the things the way that God does, but we know this, um, that we can put our faith and our trust in him. We don't have to be anxious. In fact, Philippians chapter four, verse six, you know this, we've shared this verse many times, but don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, you find yourself getting stressed out. You find yourself being full of anxiety. The best thing you can do is this. Give it to the Lord and just pray about it. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, just worship the Lord right through it. Present your request to God. Because his promise is this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God sees things through a different lens than what we do. And it, is, it, it isn't always joyful. It isn't always something that we're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. There's some things we're just never going to understand. Things like, I don't know, uh, my betrothed is with child and it's not mine. I would put that in a category of never going to understand that one. Am I right? But if we stay faithful like Joseph and we trust God like Joseph and we follow God like Joseph did, Everything is going to work out. We can trust him. We rest in him. God's ways are not always our ways. And he will continue to teach you and me that until we get it. Let's go to the second thought. <coughs> Excuse me. Second thought. God watches over those he loves. Now, we talked a lot about this last week. But let's go to Matthew 2, verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And notice Joseph listens and he obeys. The magi and the wise men had outwitted old Herod, and God was watching out for Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, just like he's watching out over us. He's guarding us. He's protecting us. He's looking out for your best. Scott, do you really believe that? I sure do. I don't always understand everything happening in my life or the ways of God, but I completely understand there is not one thing that can happen to an obedient follower of Christ without the Lord saying, I'll allow that. Now that shakes the foundation of your faith because I don't always understand why things happen. You don't always understand why things happen. But for instance, just I'm reading through the book of Acts just scouring it right now. And you go to Acts chapter 7. And you see this dude named Stephen. Everyone say Stephen. I want to make sure you're with me. So Stephen <clears throat> stands up for the Lord, preaches, teaches. I mean, he's doing miraculous things. And what do they do? They stone him to death. He gets a standing O from Jesus. But the whole stoning part was still painful, I'm sure. 
But you read it, it's, it's one of the only places in the Bible, I think maybe the only place, where you'll see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father instead of seated at the right hand of the Father. It's like he's welcoming Stephen in. Come, uh, this is, I mean, I honor what you did here. Stephen gets killed for doing the work of God. Go about, um, I don't know, six chapters later, I think it's Acts chapter 13. Peter is imprisoned. And what happens to him? He gets an angelic visitor. <laughs> And the prison doors fling wide open. And he's rescued and he's saved. He's on trial for his life. Stephen gets stoned to death. Peter lives. That doesn't sound very just, does it? Let me just say something here about justice. True, genuine justice will never happen here on earth. And at some point, we just have to, I'm not saying we, we shouldn't fight for justice or just things that there's a just, and let's make sure that we define, I probably shouldn't even open the door. Let's make sure <clears throat> that we, de- I'll go ahead. Someone said go ahead, so I'll, I'm gonna go ahead. So let's make sure we define justice biblically, not the way our, our culture would, because there's a different thing. And, and what I've seen, uh, especially uh, over the years, is churches jumping in on a definition of justice that the world would have. And I don't have time to go into this when uh, true justice is, is what the Bible would say. But here's the deal. Um, how did I get on that? Justice. Yeah. Um, so so I, I don't understand how just it is that one man live, or dies and, an, uh, and another lives. Is that just? There are things about God we will never understand, but we've got to put our faith in him. We've got to rest in him. I know for some of you, uh, right away, you go to a, a time in your life where, where someone said something, did something to you. We, we've all had some, some of us in a greater way. And I, I, this doesn't take away the hurt, the pain, and it doesn't take away the questions of why that happened. But I'll just say this to you is, is um, uh, those people will be held to justice, whether it's here on earth or in heaven when they stand before God if they don't repent. Justice. Um, uh, there, there are things that happen to us that we'll never understand. And, and, and um, so the point of what I'm getting at is this. Even in the midst of the hurt, the pain, there can be an underlying joy if we, if we understand that God is in control and God is watching over me. Um, and, and, and it's not from a distance. <clears throat> God is watching us no, from a distance. No, it's not from a distance. Hello, the Christmas season pretty much describes that. Emmanuel, God is with us. When Jesus came, he lived amongst us. He died and he rose again. And when he went up, what did he do? He sent God the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and empower us and be inside of us. So God is not watching us from a distance. He's here with us. God watches over those he loves. You got it? How about the rest of you? Have you got it? I'm going to stay on this point until you tell me. No, I'm just joking. Are you struggling with joy right now? Trust God's plan. Let's go to number three. God knows best. I, I think number three and four are some of my best points. So save the best for last. Here it is. God knows best how to frustrate the plans of the enemy. Ooh, look at this. Matthew 2.13. When they had gone... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod had plans to kill Jesus. But God said, not so. 
God has a way of turning what the enemy, the devil, means for bad and using it for good, right? We see that, Romans 8, 28. And we know, we know that in all things, say all things with me, all things, all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God was able to take this young boy named Joseph, the other Joseph in the Old Testament, this, this Joseph who was a little bit zealous, loved sharing about his dreams. We talked about dreams and visions last week. Be very careful who you share that stuff with. It's not something you just need to just blab out to everybody. In fact, if you put it out on Facebook, you might start a whole, uh, who knows what. But here's the deal. He, Joseph was sharing his dream. And his brothers got mad at him and sold him into slavery, right? Well, God has a way of taking what was meant for harm and turning it for good because we all know that Joseph ended up being, the, what, the second in command? Think about that. Think about this. God, God's able to take a bold young man named Daniel who, when everyone else was saying, bow, 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 do this or else. You better, you better do what everyone else is doing, when everyone else was saying that, what did he do? He went up into his, opened the windows and he prayed just like uh, he had done every other day. And God uh, allowed him to be thrown into a lion's den. Okay, Daniel's done with, right? No, sir, no, ma'am. Because what happened? God shuts the mouths of the lions on his behalf. Uh, you see, God knows how to frustrate the plans of the enemy. God has a way of taking one of the most wicked plots that could ever be given he had a way. He, he made a way, the plot to crucify and kill an innocent man. And out of that, he brings salvation and redemption to every person who desires it. Listen to me. God has a way of frustrating the wicked plans the enemy has in your life. So listen, for some of you right now, you've had horrible things done against you. But I want to say to you, God wants to take whatever that is and turn it into a testimony to be used for God's faithfulness, to be used for good, so that others could see the glory of God lived out through your faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. Trust in him. Joseph, he trusted God. The enemy was trying to kill his newborn son, Jesus, he said, not so. The next time you're tempted to get angry at what you see as an injustice towards you at work, towards one of your family members, um, refuse to get bitter over it and throw it out to God. Say, God, okay, I, I, I see this as a scheme of the enemy. Now I'm just gonna wait and trust and pray and believe you're gonna use this for our good. You get that? Like change the way you see it. Fourth thing, final thing. God has the power to deliver us out of the hands of those who would harm us. How can I have joy in the midst of all this craziness that's going on right now? You need to remember something. God has the power to deliver us out of the hands of those who would harm us. Matthew 2.19, come on, look at it. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. God not only has the power to frustrate the plans of the enemy, but he has the power to deliver us out of harm. I, I understand your frustration with being in the situation in the first place, but what if we looked at our next trial not so much as an overwhelming burden, but as a setup, a setup for God to bring about something good from our, our, our difficulty. That they, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says I'm gonna walk through it. It doesn't say though I live in the valley of the shadow of death. 
It doesn't say I live there. Listen, every trial you have, one of the biggest challenges is all you can see is right here, right now. And the enemy will try to make you think that this is my trial and I will be in this the rest of my life. But can I remind you of the 23rd Psalms? It says he's gonna, we're gonna walk through that. We're gonna walk through that, but we're gonna get through it. We're gonna get through it. Did God leave the children of Israel in Egypt? Oh, it was a season, but God brought them out of it. Did he leave Daniel in the lion's den? No. Is Jonah still in the belly of a whale? Oh, it was a season for a couple, but then it it came out. Let me ask you something. Is Jesus still in the tomb? Come on. Some of you, it was worth you coming today just to hear that. The trial you're facing right now is not the trial you're gonna be in the rest of your life. Don't let the enemy fool you into thinking that. God will bring you through this. He'll bring you, he'll make a way to get you through this. Trust him in this. James chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Worship team, would you come? Some of you are struggling with joy, and I understand why, and God understands why. But my encouragement to you today is don't let the devil steal your joy. It's here for you. Would you stand with me?